go. Cooking start. All right. It looks like we are on the air on Podbean and we're ready to go. Sesh, are you ready? I'm ready and so is my cat. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Maria, are you ready? Yes, and I don't have a cat. (laughs) All right. Well then, Hello, all you spry tubers, twitchers, and pod people out there. Welcome to the Could You Do It Better podcast. We're filmmaker, gamer extraordinaire, and the behind-the-scenes awesomeness known as Sesh, and the writing and directing sensation known as Maria, discuss popular television shows and movies and answer the always controversial question of, could you do it better? Today, we will be discussing episode three of season one of Ryan Condal's House of the Dragon television series based upon George R.R. Martin's novel, fire, and blood. And as for me, I'm Jonathan the Intern, and unlike our two experts, have no industry experience whatsoever. In other words, I'm much like Princess Rhaenyra, always expecting to be replaced by someone more masculine, having no understanding of what my title, position, or responsibilities are, and realizing my only value to the show is to be sold off as a baby maker to create a brood of untitled, unpaid interns to work in media (laughs) production to strengthen our branding behind the scenes. And now, to Session Maria. <laughs> Woo! I was going to say, that sounds very true. <laughs> no, 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 wait, wait just a minute here. You're not supposed to tell the audience this. <laughs> oh, dear. Within this group that you brewed. So. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, spoiler warning. In this episode, we will be doing a detailed recap of episode three of the House of Dragon TV series that will contain spoilers throughout. So if you haven't watched this episode and don't want to hear spoilers before you do, please feel free to put us on mute as you watch the episode, then rewatch our show afterwards, because that's how you double your view accounts. And now, on to the recap, as mandated by our legal department. Yes, our legal department. (laughs) All right. Oh, man, what an intro. Okay. We start with the age-old tradition of taunting your captor while being crucified and fed to crabs. Saved by Dragon X Machina and Angry Doctor Who? Nah, Dragon don't care. Angry Doctor Who gets shot up by a flaming arrow due to having worse trash talk than a five-year-old. Jump ahead several years to a feast for King Viserys and Alicent's son, Second Name Day. That's now four major time skips in two episodes in five minutes. At this rate, we'll be in the Game of Thrones timeline by episode eight of this season. (laughs) Apparently, the Stepstones battle is going about as well as can be asked for a three-year waged battle without financial or military support. King's like, cool, brah, but where's that cupbearer girl who used to be here before I married her best friend? She's like a daughter to me. And just on cue, Rhaenyra is spending her time in her emo hipster phase listening to Bardcore. Wait, there's a weirwood tree in King's Landing? Did I miss that in Game of Thrones? Ah, family road trip with the pregnant teenager, the angry daughter, and the infant child going to hunting. What could go wrong? Based on the first action being the good old parental talk of, when are you going to make me grandbabies? Best bet is everything. Moving on to Lady Pillow Talk, where apparently opinions regarding sedition and treason in front of the Queen and Princess are met with cake. <laughs> Zoom in on Jason Lannister laying it on thick like it's last call, and Rhaenyra's the last single girl in the bar. Rhaenyra's like, I know you're just into the princess booty. I don't need your free spike drink. Rhaenyra angry at daddy for somehow not realizing that princesses are required to be birthing factories despite being alive in this time period. Makes a public scene and storms off on her steel horse she rides. Sir Criston chases after her, making sporting joke of killing Lannisters in her honor. Gets rewarded with a one-on-one romantic walk in the Kingsguard. Rhaenyra plays spoiled Princess Jasmine card. Sir Criston plays good guy beggar Aladdin. If Sir Criston plays his cards right, he might just be the next bachelor. Meanwhile, Jason Lannister gives the king his golden spear, then asks for Rhaenyra's hand in marriage. King Viserys drunkenly bones him. 
The hand suggests the king marries Rhaenyra and her two-year-old half-brother. This show. <laughs> While King is slashed, Lord Lionel Strong makes a compelling case for the king to marry off Rhaenyra to Corlys' son, Laenor, to mend the rift he created when he spurned Lena for Alicent. Lord Strong is officially my favorite character. He's so dead. Back to Rhaenyra and Kristen having s'mores by the campfire. Surprise boar attack. Rhaenyra goes Dexter on his furry body. She may just have some rage issues. Viserys tells his wife, I used to have dreams. What have I done with my life? Yeah, that's what wives like hearing. He finally kills the heart in woefully pitiful fashion. Meanwhile, Rhaenyra is visited by the royal white heart because she is worthy. Well, that or she's bathed head to toe in boar blood and hearts are like, rock on, girl, you're so metal. King Viserys laments being king and having to make choices, like saving his brother, saving the realm, not being a constant screw-up. Alicent convinces him to send aid to the Stepstones and allow Rhaenyra to marry on her own terms. This pleases Rhaenyra because she never quite passed that last course to get her bachelorette's degree in princessery. Over to the Stepstones, where we find out the war is going very badly, but it appears Laenor has actual military acumen. Go figure in this show. That's hot. Angry Doctor Who bashes the messenger, saying Viserys is coming to support him. He waves the white flag to the crab feeder, but wait, it's an obvious trick. <laughs> Luckily, with aid of his skilled swordplay and 2x camera speed fast motion running, he delays for so long that he's able to draw out the crab feeder's entire army, sneak his entire regiment to shore for ambush, and smoke everything left with dragon fire, then kill the crab feeder in hand-to-hand -hand combat off-screen while touching all over his grayscale ridden body. You can't make this up, folks. End episode. This episode is brought to you by Boar and Beauty Works LLC. Feeling homely, girlfriend? Are you invisible to the man of your dreams? Well, no worries, boo. We got you covered with our new boar blood body wash. Simply open the vial, use our patented applicator to apply the body wash all over your visible skin areas, and allow it to soak deeply into your pores overnight, and voila! You will be attracting over six foot tall, gorgeous white stags from miles around in no time flat. It worked for Rainera. It worked for Carrie. Let it work for you too, hon. Cause you deserve it. That's Boring Beauty Works LLC's new boar blood body wash. Wear beauties in the blood. Now made with real non-GMO free range boar. Back to you, Sesh and Maria. That was awesome. I am getting some of that. <laughs> I bet it smells like vanilla. You are sponsored for this whole thing. Can you do a commercial for them every episode? <laughs> Like, that's it. That's our song. Well, well, Boring Beauty Works, LLC, you know, if you pay me the money, I mean, I mean, not me, I'm the intern, but you pay us the money. We'll, um, we'll go ahead and make it happen, Captain. Oh, man. All right. Uh, with that. Thank you. Let's, let's, let's get started. <laughs> Will we recover from this episode? I'm just on the line where you say like, oh, there's boar hunting and what may happen? It's like nothing. nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. Okay, so to that point, our first question is, could the plot points of this episode have been done more succinctly? Um, <laughs> Seth, would you like to get us started? Yeah, I, I mean, it's... This question's pumped me because I'm like, what was the plot? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, like it just—it's hard to like grasp right now. But it's like the whole story. Probably, honestly, I feel like they should have just started episode one here, and everything else. Um, sorry, I think I clicked on a thing, so you might be hearing something else going on. Let me. Uh, no, no, we're we're out. we're and now it's gone. So I. Okay, yeah. So I I think. Everything else that's happened till now probably could have been like a 10 minute flashback 
uh, or exposition or just told in other ways. And we could have maybe started the whole series here. It all feels so bumpy rather than having like those normal peaks and valleys or the ebbs and flows that a drama should have. Like the hump was the whole episode with sprinkles of a real battle. We didn't even meet the new kid, really. The king isn't walking and a walking infection right now. <laughs> For some reason, he just survived all of that. Uh, the king getting too drunk didn't lead to any hunting accidents or whoopsies no. and falling into the fire accidents. No. Uh, there, it just felt like there were so many scenes where there was a lot of footing for something to go somewhere, but it all kind of just went in circles. Like, is it all subplot? Is there no big plot? Is the big plot just the subplot, but only subplot worthy and not main plot worthy? Like, I just, I kept watching without expectations and then I get intrigued and then it immediately just doesn't go anywhere. I think I would have liked to see a lot more of the battle and the drama and the characters all around that because I like Sirius, I'm liking the brother, okay, and I would have actually liked to get to know them and the rest of his family. Like, I hadn't met those, you know, we haven't met those two other members of his family yet, like the younger son and then, like, the other relative who's calling mutiny. What was his name? Who was he? That all happened so quick. I mean, as it is, it just, it really didn't hit the mark, and it hit a lot of angles to potentially be dramatic and exciting mm -hmm. yeah i it just to further further sesha's point like i'm in complete agreement here i mean the answer is uh, yeah it could have been done more succinctly but i mean if it was i'm not sure there'd be enough content left to create an episode like we have the battle of the stepstones which viewers have no vested interest in as this is the first episode that actively features it Oh, and it's already over. Uh, spoiler. Boring. <laughs> um, and you have the crab feeder, who, based off last week's preview, was being pumped up to be the next big bad of the series, just to, yeah, yeah, just to nod four times and get killed off screen. So no, no value there. You, you have you have a hunt that takes up half the episode that doesn't do anything or go anywhere other than show some minor symbolism. Um, and you have the king being a moron because, I mean, that's his character. Uh, though I, I will say some kudos are in order as Patty Considine was allowed to show emotions in his performance this week. So, so that was a nice, nice thing. Uh, you have the hand giving as bad advice and being as outwardly power hungry as possible because, well, you know, that's who his character is and yet somehow he's alive. So really... What we're left with is primarily the Rhaenyra Sir Kristen budding relationship. Uh, the idea that most of the kingdom is openly considering treason and regicide. And I guess perhaps Alicent's role in all of this? I guess, maybe? I mean, all in all, it, it just felt like there was little reason for this episode other than to move the timeline forward three years. And as I said last week, in my opinion, either lengthen each of these episodes out over the full first season to give actual intrigue and vested interest in the show, or you just cut it and write an intriguing show about the period of time and story you want to cover. For example, just as Sesh said, could we not just have started the show at the end of this episode and give each of the major characters the proper time they deserve to build intrigue and viewers' abilities to identify with them? In my opinion, yeah, the answer to this question is a resounding yes, with very little to no loss of of context. I mean, this honestly, to me, felt like a waste of an episode when it comes to the plot points. Yeah, you know, I felt like, okay, the king is stressed out at home, stressed out on the road trip, stressed out at the hunt slash luau, mainly because his daughter is angry with him and it seems he doesn't want to join a war because he'll look weak. In some ways, I like the time and some of the artists are taken in some of the scenes. However, because I complained about that, like, oh, they didn't have that before. Now they do. However, I think because I've seen this similar setup with Robert Baratheon, that my mind couldn't help but go to that and sit through most of the episode guessing how gruesome the king's death was going to be. Will it be by boar, by stag, by poison, depression? Will he fall into the giant fire? Like, <laughs> these are the things. I was so exhausted from the anticipation that the actual dramatic events felt muted. Uh, maybe that's more of my own issue, but 
every big event had the feeling that some bigger, more important thing was probably happening while we're watching this and missing it. Uh, if they started the episode at the hunt, I think all the plot points could have been told more succinctly amidst building the tension of finding and stabbing the, the stag before someone stabs someone else. That's my thoughts. Yeah, here's hoping he was gonna go and 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 spear the stag, and like he'd just drunkenly fall over on his own golden spear, and they'd be I, like, yeah. "Oh, well." <laughs> I didn't get to stab him because he was so drunk and he misses, and then it, you know, could yeah. have done that, but nope. And the setup of the spear, yeah. like here's the spear, like it's gonna kill you, you know, and, and it didn't didn't do anything <laughs> of particular. Like, okay, all right. So moving on to the next question, is the king? A feminist. Uh, Jonathan, do you want to start? Oh, uh, sure. Um, I can I can start on this one. So I think the answer is that I'm sure for this timeline, most would say that yes, he is, as he certainly has made decisions that are in direct opposition uh, to the patriarchal uh, traditions in the kingdom. And him telling his daughter to marry for love as a princess is quite a huge jump in progressive thought for Westeros, well, at least in all kingdoms that aren't Dorne. That said, to be a feminist, I think you actually have to actively consider women's rights and a desire for gender equality, and King Viserys has clearly shown he doesn't consider anything outside of how to best avoid making any decision whatsoever. I mean, this is a king who forced his wife to be split open head to toe with a cleaver as a, as a medical procedure because he was told by a maester it would be easiest. But he had a dream, you know. He, sure. <laughs> Give the man his dream. <laughs> that's not... <laughs> that's, that's clearly feminism. Yeah, just... <laughs> just because... Just because... His sheer incompetence and lack of brain cells aligns at times with what feminists may agree with doesn't make him a feminist. Heck, he'd probably enslave and torture all women or throw them into a pit and burn them with dragon fire if someone told him that doing so would mean he'd never have to make another decision again. <laughs> so, so big, big no on this one for me. I'm, I'm sorry. All right. Let's go with Sesh next. Uh, what do you think? We've got Jonathan's hot take. <laughs> so he defended his own decision to make her heir this one time, finally, after three years of her being a water girl. Mm -hmm. Totally feminist in this universe. <laughs> <laughs> Sesh is just done. That's, 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 that's the take. <laughs> Really is. Nothing, nothing in it. 
you know, I, I think he is a sensitive guy. Uh, however, he is more <laughs> driven by guilt and really trying to worm his way around his guilt to get what he wants again. Um, he killed his wife for a dream, and the last memory of her is Renera and the promises he made for her. But he is really only trying to make Renera feel better because he feels so bad for what he did. If perhaps he did not have any guilt, he wouldn't think twice about letting his counsel push him into push him into pushing his daughter into a marriage and move right along. Um, I think he's exhausted, guilt-ridden, and his inability to make decisions wears him out and he just wants a vacation. However, it was nice seeing him tell her that uh, she wouldn't be replaced and that she could find her own spouse. Like you said, that was refreshing. Uh, I don't think I've seen that in other shows that are similar. So, What a nice balanced take compared to us. That was, <laughs> that was beautiful, you know, Maria. He's trying. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just had that conversation with Rainier because he's like, wait a second. That's right. You can choose your own man. I don't have to choose one for you. Now more people are going to come and complain to me about that. <laughs> That's why he's going to be against it. <laughs> All right. So our next question of the evening is, would Damon's character be more interesting if he spoke more? Let's start off with, you know what, me. How about that? Because, yes, we're going to mix turn. it up. Mix it up. Yes. All right. Um, I think the actions Damon has done so far show he is full of ego and makes giant risks that can hurt other people for his own glory. I think whether or not he speaks is almost irrelevant uh, at this point. I think making him look mysterious almost feels like a joke when it is juxtaposed with his lame actions. <laughs> I don't think it would make a difference if he spoke or not. He doesn't seem to be any kind of mastermind from what he does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, based on the lines written for him thus far, no, it wouldn't. As most scenes have him written as an ill-tempered five-year-old with little to no impulse control and the intelligence of a head of cabbage. I mean, the mountain from Game of Thrones was written in that vein, and he didn't speak at all. So if anything, not speaking and just acting like a maniac might help Damon's character more than hurt it at this point. Now, if they start writing dialogue for his character that makes him seem intelligent, cunning, inspiring, menacing, or, I don't know, sadistic, then I'd be on board with him getting more dialogue. But as he's currently written, I mean, I just don't know what value it would even have. Personally, I'm getting the suspicion that Matt Smith was, I, I know this is dangerous to say stuff like this, but I'm getting a suspicion that, that Matt Smith was miscast for this role based on how they've written the character. I think they needed someone who comes off a lot more menacing or they need to really, really change the character in dialogue. I mean, seriously, the entirety of his lines this episode were, and I quote, where are you? Come out and face me, crab feeder. Where are you? I'm gonna feed you to your own crabs. You're hired. It's, it's just flabbergasting. Like, I mean, come on. If you're gonna write dialogue like that, I mean, I mean, you don't need need Matt Smith. Like he can do his own show. Like I mean, come on. Sash, what do you think? Yeah. So now, now I'm finally seeing this like really spiteful side of him. Before, like it, it felt a little bit more nuanced. But oh man, like he goes and wins a battle in five minutes of finally coming up with a plan after three years of fighting all because his brother annoyed him. <laughs> That's a pretty great ego leading the battle there. Um, I, I, I would say that, but at the same time, I am a little surprised somebody else was riding his dragon. Mm -hmm. I did, of course, expect to see the dragon show up. Like, there was literally no tension there. Of course it was going to come. Um, mm -hmm. But I didn't actually think it would still be mounted by anybody. So that was kind of some neat little teamwork I like to see. Um, that was it. Um, that was that was a little fun and unexpected treat. But that, that really was it here for him. Um, 
he could probably get by without speaking at all. Uh, we see everything that's going on without any subtlety. Dialogue's not needed. It's just literally painting what is all happening with being completely on the nose. So I don't mind a quiet character. I think that might that might have been a fun way to actually play him, but I don't think we're going to get that stoic type from him. And damn, now I'm comparing him to Geralt or Rivia from The Witcher, and this damage to Damon is not going to be undone. He is like forever tainted. I'm now I'm comparing the two, and there's just no comparison. Well, I'll th I'll throw a coin to him. Um, and and <laughs> give me that show instead of this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I I actually uh, one point you made, Sash, is something that I said immediately uh, because I thought Game of Thrones made a real big deal. Like it takes years to bond with your dragon. And that, like, nobody can can get on your dragon if it's, uh, like, like if it's yeah. not you. And so it, it this wasn't the only time in this show where it seemed to go against all of our prior knowledge of, of, uh, of Game of Thrones. So it was just, it was sort of weird. Like, I think it would have been better if the dragon just came out of nowhere by itself and just was like, you know what? I'm just going to torch people because I've had enough of this nonsense. I'm not about the dragon. They've made the, him the dragons look less cool. I feel in this. Yeah, they kind of um, look weird. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're a little like slinky and weird. Yeah. Like, this is very like. I mean, I'm kind of okay with it because I think his dragon sort of matches him mm -hmm. in a way. He kind of, if he were a dragon, he kind of would just be kind of all elongated and lanky like that. Yeah. So, and I kind of like to see a little bit of variety in the dragon. So I, I kind of <laughs> think that's a little cool. But yeah, it's like, I, I feel like we just missed out on so much character development of what's been happening at this battle. Like, I'm very disappointed it's over, and I'm really disappointed we didn't see any of these other characters. Because now I'm assuming, like, oh, this guy, who, you know, is obviously the cute one that's the right age, so that's the one they meant for Ray Ray to marry, right? Mm -hmm. That's my assumption. You know, we've never I seen him really so. before this, and cool. So her brother likes him now, too. So we can assume... He's trusted in that way too, so he's probably you know a good guy or whatever. I don't know. So it just would have been nice to have a little bit more context and like it to be like, oh cool, this guy. Yeah. Remember his name because he's never we haven't heard him yeah. spoke or have a conversation with anyone, so we don't know him as a person. Cool, he's on the dragon. That would have been right much better. It was just a little bit of a oh, I mean yeah, I was just expecting the dragon alone, so that's kind of I guess neat that it wasn't. Yeah. So uh, moving on to our next question, who in this episode do you think would be the best king slash queen? Uh, let's start with Jonathan. Oh, uh, well, you know, the crab feeder is dead, so there's that. <laughs> I mean, he apparently, Sorry. He, he apparently got things done for three years. I mean, <laughs> anyway, no, no, seriously. Um, my answer is Lord Lionel Strong, Master of Law. He seems to be the only person on the show thus far that gives excellent counsel and advice. Uh, he fully seems to understand the hardships the realm is facing while considering internal perception uh, from the kingdom and the lords. And he also knows how to speak and behave tactfully and gracefully. Uh, it is without question in my mind, if he were king, he probably would make for the greatest king in Westeros history if he were given the opportunity to dismantle his bloodline and create heirs, which... I have no reason to believe he, he wouldn't. I mean, this guy is the real deal. That said, the one caveat I would make with him is that we don't know what his military acumen is, and it's possible he might not make good strategic decisions or rely on the wrong military counsel uh, for advice. So the best answer here might actually just be Lainor Val uh, Valerian, as he has a better path to the throne seems to have excellent military intelligence uh i think it was everybody else who said the the very silly idea for how to win the battle and uh appears uh like he can handle himself in a regal manner that commands attention so that's that's who i'd go with one of those uh those two i'd have to have an interview process though. of course of course uh sesh what do you think I might change my answer because you're right. I actually really like the council member too. Like he's been the only real word of wisdom almost. Yeah. 
<laughs> without like clear motivation, like literally just good advice. So I, I do like him a lot. Um, so I, I may change to him, but I originally was going with uh, Corliss and Allison as my picks as far as people we see in this because uh, Corliss and um, the Queen Who Never Was, I still think are probably the smart characters that we've seen so far. Um, he's, I'm actually going to argue that he's loyal. Um, he had good reason to leave the king's side. Um, he's more smart than loyal, though, so he did draw a line, which I think was a very reasonable line, because all his men were dying, you know. <laughs> um, so, And I think he's clearly, like, a long-term thinker. Um, he was stopping the mutiny from his own relative. I, again, I don't know if this was his brother, his oldest son, his whoever, nephew, cousin. I have no idea who this person was. But I, I think it's because, as a whole... Um, like he was able to see that there's a point in working together and that is what he's trying to do. And um, with Alicent, she does have some words of wisdom, very queenly words of wisdom. Um, she's giving the king good counsel, I would say. Um, she's had pretty good advice so far. I do wish she would speak up more with some other things. Um, like for example, if she just were to talk to Ray Ray, like, hey, I didn't have a choice in this. I think Ray Ray might treat her a little bit differently, but I just know they've not had that conversation. <laughs> so, and that's, it's very frustrating to see where there's like drama and tension when it could just be solved with a conversation rather than any real drama or tension. Like it's very mucked up, mocked up, I mean. Um, yeah, but yeah, I guess she's like, what now? 18? Oh, so, I mean, hopefully she'll get a little bit better at this. Um, she is good with the king, though. Um, so in that way, in this world, she is doing a good job at being the queen and almost doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. All hail Queen Alicent. I think she's the best, yeah. most level-headed and selfless person in the series so far. Uh, she's birthed the king a son, but he but doesn't lord it all over for Ray Ray. Um, she understands the concerns of the kingdom better than the king and can deal with all of these troubles while having to deal with being super pregnant. Uh, I think she has done everything for duty and what her father wants, but she, at the end of the day, wants what's best for everyone involved, including the kingdom. Um, she is young, but I think there is more t in more time she would make for a pretty solid queen. Mm. Something I wanted to add with her is I actually, I did very much appreciate how she made the whole mess of the problem with the war very black and white and very simple for him. Yes. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I should help. <laughs> okay, put it that way. <laughs> um, I, I do really like that she simplified it very well because it is absolutely true. She is definitely right with that simplification. Yeah. And that takes wisdom. That takes thought, yeah. wisdom, being able to separate from yourself to understand you know, how the king thinks and how he actually can process information and put it, put it to him it's simply. It's asking the right questions. Yes. It really is. So yes. that, that is good. There is some wisdom there for sure. Yeah. All right. So on to our next question. Was there anything about this episode that was fascinating or done differently than other stories in the same genre? Uh, oh, do you want to get started? I, I, I want to get started because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hot on this one. So... <laughs> I mean, I, I for one, have never seen a battle so ill-conceived, poorly written, and far-fetched that it just breaks all semblance of realism as whatever that battle of the Stepstones was. I mean, first and foremost, the plan was absolutely idiotic. Let's send one person to the beach, pretend to surrender, then kill a bunch of people, thereby drawing out the entire freaking guerrilla army into the wide open where there are easy pickings for one swath of dragon fire, then hope nobody sees the dragon flying around or the regiment sneaking ashore to ambush and proceed to kill everyone. I mean, how does that make any sense whatsoever? I mean, first, if there's any sign of aggression whatsoever from Damon, those 500 archers who all have their arrows knocked on Damon will fire immediately if they yeah. see any movement. Yeah. Second, after showing no intention to surrender, why in the heck would the crab beater send out his whole army to a wide open space to capture him instead of picking him off grill style under a heavy cover as they've been doing for, from what they said, the past three years? 
And then third, if this crab feeder army is this stupid and overly aggressive, how would a trained, disciplined military unit that Corliss supposedly captains, they call him the sea snake and everything, not be able to clown these guys within a matter of days? Like, if not weeks? I don't know. Maybe wait till a day it's cloudy? Send a plant merchant ship through the shipping lane? And then just have two or three or dragons on standby? And then, you know, once the whole crab army attacks, obliterate everything with dragon fire and go home. But you know what? Let's forget that idiocy because I'm just heating up. Let's, let's talk about the scene execution now, okay? Are you kidding me with the double speed fast motion running shots? Who the frack is Damon? A jaguar in heat? A chest burster? Fracking Naruto? I mean, I mean, this. Yeah, I mean, this makes no sense whatsoever based on viewers' previous knowledge of Targaryens or the Game of Thrones universe. Targaryens aren't known to do this. Also, why? Why would you film the scene like that? So blatantly unrealistic and defying the laws of physics? Are, are we watching anime now? And, and I mean, why, why would you spend so much time hyping up this crab feeder guy such that all he does is nod four times, then slowly walk back to his cave and get killed off screen? I mean, wouldn't you want to see, I don't know, some epic battle? Where the crab feeder has this crazy maniacal fighting technique and Damon needs to both win the battle while also not coming into contact with him due to grayscale? Like, that could be really fun. Just seeing, like, a super aggressive, like, hammer attack from, from like, the crab feeder where Damon is constantly having to backpedal such that he doesn't get touched by this guy? I mean, I, I just don't get it. I don't get these scenes. I, I don't get this battle. And if you're going to waste... Just so absolute much CGI budget on these scenes. Why not write the scenes better and in a more captivating way? It's just nuts in my opinion. And, and it's the worst portrayal of a military battle I've, I've ever seen. I, I would almost be legitimately down to vote this thing for a Razzie. Like, like, like this scene. It, it was that not good to me. I, anyway. Okay Um, but like that's not fascinating. 
Like, I'm hoping this means he'll, like, treat his daughter different, but I don't think that's going to happen. He told her this one thing. She's still going to be water bearer if, you know, she'll stick around for it. Um, Yeah, I'm just waiting for him to maybe teach her some wisdom like a king will do. Like, if he actually does, you know, want to treat her like an heir and as a ruler. I mean, I don't think he really has any wisdom, but that, you know, probably advice. You know, and she's still just been left her own devices this entire time. Like, it is interesting to see a kind of blasé about the war that's been going on for three years still, while simultaneously there is just no groundwork for for that. Like, obviously having, like, it just, there's no groundwork for there to be any consequences from him ignoring this war that he'd care about. Like, the only thing that's happened and the only thing that looks like it's going to happen from this war that is now over by episode three is he lost one of the two smart people in his inner circle. But he never listened to the guy anyways. And his brother has now taken care of the problem. It's so peaceful, it's boring. Like, that is (laughs) what this episode has proven. Yeah, you know, um, about the battle, I thought they were leading up to they're like how do we get the crab out of the cave you know i thought (laughs) i thought they were leading up to maybe like poison or some kind of like i don't know witchcraft maybe they're going to bring some big bad witch over there to like get the crabs to turn against i thought something cool was going to happen there but it did not yes well anyway I (laughs) i felt like um, the way the king interacted with his daughter was different than most. Uh, his focus was more on his daughter than the war, and that was definitely different. Usually the politics and war are of far greater importance, and his daughter would be relegated to some other part of the kingdom to skulk by herself until, you know, they force a husband on her. Well, um, will this get the king killed? Most likely. I, I think, however, if the king was really honestly trying to care for his daughter, he would start training her to be queen. Like like you mentioned, uh, Sesh, there should be training. Have her sit next to him and learn strategy and politics uh, or have her teach him, I don't know. Treat her like she is next in line and not constantly wondering uh, as she is treated like a spoiled little angry girl. So, those yeah. are my thoughts. No, great, great thoughts. So our next question of the evening is, what did you think of the imagery of the blood on Damon and Rhaenyra from the boar and the crab feeder? Was it powerful enough? Uh, Sesh, you want to start us off? I don't know about powerful, but I did actually like it a lot because I am seeing that him and her are going through, weirdly enough, kind of similar arcs. I think they're very kindred spirits, um, even though they're kind of making it seem like they're on opposing sides. I don't really think that they are, um, ultimately. Uh, like, the two of them together, like, if they both grew up and wisen up some, uh, they really could be a force to be reckoned with if, like, they could both lead in some capacity. Um, they're the ones getting their hands dirty. Like, that's what this is saying. Uh it landed more for me that she had the blood on her than him. Mm-hmm. But I will say I am a bit surprised uh, they chose for her to only see the white, uh, uh, the white, the sag instead of also killing it. Um, that surprised me with something that I liked, though, at the time, because thinking about it a little bit, um, her seeing it and her knowing the good omen that it is that it was for her. Like, it actually wasn't a good omen for her brother. They didn't get that sag on this hunt. I think it really actually meant something really important to her. Um, Like, she kind of grew up in that. She knew, like, okay, I meant for, like, other things. This is a good omen, though. Like, she knows she's capable, I think, is what that was telling her. Like, even if the realm doesn't see it. So her seeing the sag was enough for her. It's like why she maybe didn't kill it. Like her literally proving herself by if she did kill it and bringing it home, it, it wouldn't change how people see her. Yeah. Because they're all sexist. Um, <laughs> but it felt like she had some acceptance by the end of this episode where her place could be potentially, um, even if it's not quite what she was thinking. Um, and, you know, she could play her part at least where she's okay maybe getting married. Totally to Cole though. So I, I like I like that okay. I, I think it it was it it was nice. I think it hit home a little bit stronger with her. But I do think I'm seeing parallels between her and him that they are, you know, they're the two getting their hands dirty 
and keeping things safe and nice and preserved and going about things, thinking about the future rather than just being pestered about it and then not wanting to think about it. Yeah. I, I agree with you in the fact that um, it seems like Renera and Damon are similar. They both, they both need to show their power. Um, uh, Rhaenyra gutted the boar after it was already toothless and she did it more to get her own rage out and feel powerful, which is understandable. Um, Damon is basically in the same emotional place uh, as Rhaenyra. He just did it. It just did not feel very impactful when they didn't even show Damon besting the crab feeder. I, I do think it is definitely foreshadowing for both of their characters, which is cool. Like, okay, are they going to be coming together or is this going to be a blood match against uh, uh, with both of them? It's, it's unclear, but I thought it was nice. I thought it was a nice touch. Uh, so for me, I, I mean, I definitely get the, the imagery they're going for here, you know, that they're worthy to rule by being people of action, unlike the king, you know, who can't even bring down a stag that's being held <laughs> by multiple soldiers <laughs> in one fell blow, you know, and, you know, yeah, well, well, it's, <laughs> was that a hot take? I, is, that, is that the right, right word for it? Uh, and um, well, uh, you know, well, it's generally a good rule to mirror the beginning and end of an episode um, or, or mirror two opposing characters. I think it's actually just been a bit too on the nose for, for my liking with the show thus far. Um, I mean, all three episodes have used this style. And while this is okay for each episode in a vacuum, per se, you know, when you use this technique time after time after time, it, you know, it, it, it starts losing its value and, uh, and and symbolism and, you know, begins to fall more under tropey or, or cookie cutter scripting. So for me, I'd like to see them go more off book uh, next episode and give us something surprising and, and unexpected that doesn't use this mirroring technique. Um, in fact, this is a great time uh, to turn the mirroring on its head. Have viewers expect the mirror between beginning and end and instead give them just something they never saw coming, which is just like, like just completely guts you. Um, will the show do it? No, no, they won't. No. And uh, on that note, ratings. <laughs> How do we rate this? Uh, uh, should, should we see if we have any questions oh, sure. from our viewing audience? Taking a look at the different platforms. Uh, no, no, no questions this week, which makes sense. Because, yeah, what what uh, what is one to to, to even uh, to to even go ahead and and ask here? So go ahead, please okay. continue, Maria. Thank you, thank you, Sash. Would you like to start us off with the uh, ratings? Yeah, um, I, I'm pretty sure retroactively, I'm just gonna like cut all of my ratings in half. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm giving it a, a four, four out of five, um, out of 10, four or five out of 10, maybe like it, it wasn't bad, but like, I mean, the battle now I'm extra annoyed with it. So like, yes, there was some bad, but there wasn't like really anything stand out about it. Like it felt like I'm reaching to make the most of what they gave us. And there was so much different, stuff that could have been done i felt like the plot was just put in a blender so we're almost starting fresh but now it's even less to work with <laughs> like there's no looming war it uh, like no looming war is a very big void at the end of this episode the king's infections are all just gone i i, I it's either going to be if they're not, it's going to be really stupid that they're still there. It's like, oh, look, I stole my pinky. It's still just black because it's almost dead. <laughs> Daily maggots for three years. No problem there. Um, yeah, like, it's just, it's it's just, everything's just another thread that went nowhere. And it's only episode three. I really have no idea where things are going from here, but not in ex an exciting way. Because it's just the barest minimal of stakes right now. What are the stakes? Yeah. Just, just, just letting you know, Sesh, there was a blown up screenshot <laughs> of uh, the king wearing gloves where he might have been missing his <laughs> pinky. 
So, so just letting you know. He lost the pinky, the stakes, the drama. The kid out of a window who then became paralyzed for the rest of the series on episode one of season one. Just, just saying, just saying. this episode i i think it was because i spent most of my energy anticipating something bigger occurring watching a sad king struggle with problem solving uh, was depressing watching his brother magically win a war by being able to best a big bad after being shot with five arrows felt like lazy writing uh watching the princess skulk and not really show much uh future ruler abilities other than the white stag saying hi didn't really make me root for her either sadly Mm -hmm as the leader of the kingdom. Although I felt for her as a girl with a messed up family and a feeling of hopelessness, I just needed a long nap after that episode. Yeah, I mean, just not a good episode. I I mean, and really, in my opinion, a somewhat unnecessary one uh, that included uh, that cringeworthy battle scene and and some absolutely terrible Damon dialogue. You know, that that said, I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. There was significantly less expository dialogue this episode than the last two. Though, you know, still more than I would like, but it was it was better. And I really did feel that the characters were acting with much more emotion. Um, and again, special acknowledgement to Patty uh, uh, Considine as, as King Viserys, who I thought really brought it this, this episode. He did appear to be a king who is just absolutely struggling with with life and having a midlife crisis, you know. Um, well, he's already dating someone half his age, so really he needs one of those uh, nice royal chariots and he's, he's ready to go. A third of his age. Yeah, yeah. So um, o- overall... He's a really rough 30, I mean... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you make a good point. You make a good point, Sash. I'm um I I I'm really having a, a a tough time grading this one as it just feels like like the episode served very little purpose in the grand scheme of things and could have been deleted outright. You know? I just something. I'll say it afterwards. Yeah. But you know, I guess considering it was made. I'll I'll give it maybe a four out of ten, like maybe, um, and that's only because I'm rating it higher than the first episode, but much worse than the second episode. Uh, but but overall, it's still it's still grading out as as a D uh, for me. I mean, I I just don't know. There were some really questionable decisions in this one. I I, I don't get it. I have a question about one of those decisions. So we're three years later, right? Mm-hmm. So if we took the other girl as a wife, that stuff would be happening right now, and we would be seeing that in the story. Mm-hmm. Do you think that like they just went with that originally and then just forgot to just not do a time skip because <laughs> it was unnecessary? Because if they had done that, I could see where there would be a time timely you know oh, like, I see okay it was the first kid you know three years later after they're married right so hmm. maybe yeah that's a good question i don't know i think it has to do with the second naming or the is that what it's called i think it's a big deal in their world that the name day ceremony name day yeah i think but that's the second why. one like it's not even your two it's not even <laughs> one it's not even your first birthday it's not even you are bored. I don't know. I, I, it's, I don't know. Like, we could have had it. We could, I mean, do you yeah. think the kids are going to do anything in it? Is this little kid going to go anywhere? 
No, I don't think so. Like my my only take on it, uh, my my only take whatsoever is maybe George R. R. Martin is sitting there and being like, "No, you absolutely must include this. You must include this. You need to." People. I think he's trolling us at this point. I'm not gonna lie. I think he's trolling us. I think a lot of the stuff we saw in the final episode was kind of just his like loose outline. He's like, "This is gonna come out before my book." I'm going to test the water and see how people like this. <laughs> okay, I know I need to rewrite this and this and that. And That's now, interesting. Like, this is just, he's just trolling us. By, by the way, this has already been renewed for a second season. So, I mean... Oh, no. Uh, and, and I will say also, uh, the reviews that I've at least seen for this, for the show, have been remarkably positive. So, I... Like, I wonder if I'm watching, like, like a different show here. I saw that, too. I was like, how do people really like this? Like, are they just actually obsessed because it has the same title, Game of Thrones? Like, this doesn't really feel the same. Like, it really doesn't. Yeah. No. No, and not, a, not in a good way. Yeah. Like, like, that's the thing. Like, when they said, okay, we're going with something different, like, okay, you know, that's fine. Like, like you know, go for it. But at the same time... It's it's just, oh boy. yeah. Well, yeah, kind of weird. I mean, maybe we'll get real popular because we're the only ones hating on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like to do a show I like soon. Well, okay, we are gonna deliver on the on the Avatar when the live action comes out, right? That's our oh, plan. No, I'm scared of that. <laughs> We'll be there on cartoon, please. We'll, we'll 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 talk about it off screen between us, but but yeah, this. Uh... The Witcher is so good. Just every episode is just fire. It's amazing. Really. <laughs> to 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 our to our fans out here, and to the House of the Dragon fans who are listening, um, no, we're ride or die on this show. <laughs> we're gonna watch all of it. <laughs> and uh, no, we'll. We'll we'll see. When we get to the end of of the season, I'm thinking we'll we'll have a talk and see if it's it's worth uh, continuing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it'll also be interesting to see how viewership goes over uh, over the course of the series as well. While mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily a reason whether we whether we choose to follow this or or not, I think that might help. I mean, if if the public absolutely loves this, then I mean, I think we're 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 helping. You know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's uh, I really think that, you know, we're already at the three, three episode mark. Something has to, has to change. And it looks like we're already like from what the preview showed, it looks like we're, we're in for yet another time skip next, next episode. I want us to start making predictions so that we can set the bar on whether or not we should be disappointed and people can know and understand why we feel like we feel. I like that. Like where we say, I thought this was going to happen or this or that would happen. And if we predicted it and we're disappointed, it's like, as it was predictable, or if they surprise us, we can at least give it credit. Like I'm still saying like the King's probably going to die, like the end of this season. And that's, I'm actually going to be surprised if he doesn't die sooner. He was so drunk at a boar hunt. Ugh, how did it not happen? Yeah. Well, well, considering... Multiple wounds in the last episode. Con- con- considering he's in the next preview, and it's two years after, uh, supposedly, I'm guessing he makes it out of this episode. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> in, in any news... Let's let's get to the outro. We have taken up enough of your time tonight, everybody. Um, and uh, in any case, thank you so much for joining us this evening and watching us until the very bitter end. And we uh, we do really appreciate all your support. And hopefully, uh, we brought you some intelligent conversation and laughs tonight, maybe. Um, and uh, really, it's your support that makes this worth it. Nailed it this week. Good job. (laughs) If you like the show, please uh, like, share, subscribe, uh, heart, um, uh, thumbs up, whatever whatever it is uh, uh, you need to do. And if you you hated this show, 
uh, yeah, please make sure to uh, to like it twice uh, because uh, we put that in our our research and and it really uh, it really helps us uh, 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 make us a better program. You know, so uh, our next episode uh, will be uh, Monday, uh, September thirteenth. Uh, can you do next Monday, Sash? Or are we looking uh, at Tuesday here? I can't do Tuesday. Oh, I, you, you can't do Tuesday. I can't do Tuesday until unless it's really late because I'm in a class. I started a class for uh, TV writing. So, yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Um, so we'll we'll work on it. We'll do a tentative schedule for for Monday, um, but uh, uh, September thirteenth. Uh, yeah, and uh, we'll. Uh, you know, Sash. We'll uh, yeah, yeah. We'll on we'll, our page. We will. Can you do it better? We will. Um, and you know, if Sash isn't there, we'll make sure to update you on uh, how research for coal is going. <laughs> so. Um, Somebody's got to marry this guy. Yeah. You know, until uh, until next time, September thirteenth, eight p.m. Pacific, eleven p.m. Eastern. Tentative. <laughs> Could you do it better? <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Okay, Should let me yeah, stop that one. Uh, let me try ending our stream right about now. And